dear fellow Christians, redeemed sinners who consider it their greatest honor to bear the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The ramifications of what we celebrate at Christmas are indeed profound. Who can even comprehend fully the concept of God made man? Who can imagine, who can wrap his, her mind around eternal, omniscient, omnipotent God, that word that existed from eternity and through whom all things were made? Who can fully comprehend that divine being taking into his divinity, his divine essence, a human nature and placing himself under the demands of his own creation? Who can understand such things as the exinanition of Christ, his emptying himself of the use of that divine power and walking through life as true man, he who is true God. And yet the basic story, the basic account of Christmas is not difficult. It's not incomprehensible. Our children can tell it as they did. They can tell the story of what happened on that Christmas evening. That's why our goal on this night is not to, it's never to put on a show or to present a Christmas pageant. It is to simply focus on the reason for our celebration in the most humble and unpretentious manner possible. Our children help us to do that. They help us to remember the basic tenet or goal. For they themselves, as we said, are the sort of Christians that our God wants us to be as adults. That simply accept what our Father tells us with that childlike faith and confidence. My Father tells me it is so, it is so. From their simple, uncluttered hearts, they ask simple questions. And if you've ever, if you're a parent and you've had children, or if you're a new parent and your children are just growing older, get ready, because there will be an unending procession of why. Why, Daddy? Daddy, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? And why is the square of the hypotenuse of every right triangle equal to the sum of the square of the other two sides? Well, not that one. I love their questions, in large part because it made me refocus and think about things I never would have thought of, I never really contemplated. I still don't know why the water's blue. And so we do that this evening. That's our goal to just ask that simple, childlike question, why did Jesus come to our earth? Why? 
The text that will guide us, that will provide our answer, is found in that amazing third chapter of John's Gospel, beginning there with the 14th verse. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. This is God's word. The words of the God whose birth we celebrate this evening and on the morrow. We therefore thank our God, asking him to work powerfully in our hearts through this gift of his word also this evening and we pray to that end sanctify us by your truth O Lord your word is truth amen I actually did love the why questions when my children were growing up not so much now they're too hard now they can also tell when I'm just messing with them or when I really don't know the answer. They have successfully taken the fun out of the exercise. And though my children might have a different recollection, do not believe them, I actually did try to answer honestly, truthfully, to the best of my knowledge. I love the questions in part, again, because they made me think. They made me refocus. They made me ask of myself. So that's our goal for everyone here this evening, to, in childlike simplicity, ask of yourself, as it relates to you, why did Jesus come to my earth? The first answer, based on our text, seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? And in fact, I can hear it coming out of your thoughts already. Well, because he loved us. We read in our text, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So there you have it. He did it out of love. But then you start to look into those words, those, those, that simple sentence that tells the truth, but you look at those words, and different things open up to you, insights that you might not have gained. God so loved. 
God so loved. God, the creator of heaven and earth. The God who did everything perfectly, who made us. He created us and said it was very good. There was nothing bad, evil, no sin at all. God did that. And then mankind destroyed it by our sin. But God then so loved we have to take some time with that word love, don't we? What does that mean? Certainly not that he had some sort of attraction to us. But could it mean maybe that he liked us? He had an affection for us of some kind. Maybe he felt obligated. Sort of like when you see something pathetic and you kind of want to help it along, take it under your wing, protect it. Is that the kind of love that God had? Well, there are different definitions of love found in the Bible, but this word is, by the way, the same word that God used when he said, husbands love your wives. It's also the same word that God used when he said, love your enemies. That's important. Because we can take something from that passage and put it in our text, and learn something. God so loved his enemies. That was us. Not God so loved this world of wonderful human beings, or at least us here. God so loved us because we were different, we were separate. No. No, God says in his word, I looked down to see if there was any worthy, any that deserved. And I saw no, not one. They have all together turned away. They have become my enemies because of their sin. So God demonstrated this special kind of love toward his enemies, the world. And it's been defined as a, an outward-looking love, something that is concerned not about self or the needs of self, but the, but the needs of others. His enemies. His enemies' needs. Another basic definition of this kind of love is a kind and selfish consideration of the needs of others. A purposeful love. So you plug that into the different uses in God's word, for example, and husbands love your wives. That doesn't mean husbands love in the sense of having affection for your wives. Hopefully that's there. But what he did tell us as husbands is to put the needs of your wife above your own. That's how you exercise headship, as Jesus exercised his headship. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for the world. That's our model. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But it's also, again, that same word he used when he said, love your enemies. In other words, what this teaches us is that there really then is no such thing as an enemy for a Christian, is there? There's an object 
of our love. There's an object of our attempt, at least, to bring them what they need, to supply them what they lack, which is, in part, the joy every one of us has at Christmas, in knowing what Christmas is about, and knowing that God sent his son into the world to pay for the world's sin debt. Not ours, not ours alone, the world's. So God loved, so much loved the world that he gave his son. That means that God looked at his creation, the one that he had made perfect and sinless, that had sinned and messed everything up, and God recognized our need and recognized that we could not supply it. We couldn't satisfy that need. We had fallen short of God's perfection, what he demanded of his creation, which isn't unreasonable. And we couldn't undo our sin. We couldn't make it up to, that's a popular phrase now, isn't it? When a husband or a wife or friends do something terrible to each other, what's their first inclination? I'll make it up to you. So we try to carry that to God, and if we're honest, we say, what can I do? I've broken his covenant, his word. I've sinned. I can't undo that. I can't put the pin back in the hand grenade. It's all blown up. It's done. I can't. God looked from heaven and said, they can't fix this. There was no sense of obligation. God didn't have to. He just, in perfect, agape, outward-directed, purposeful love, said, I am going to supply what they need. I'm going to send my son. And I will pour out the divine wrath for all sin, the sins of the world, on my son. He will pay. You notice our text also answered the why question by revealing not this. In other words, he did not. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Now before you just dismiss that as, oh, right, of course. Think about that for a moment. God could have done that. He could have done it simply to silence every mouth on the day of judgment. Anyone who might object what you were asking of us was too much. No one could do it. It's not possible to keep your law perfectly. Well, that might be our thought because that's all we know is sin and failure. God could then have just sent his son into the world so that on the day of judgment, when we voice that objection, he could have pointed simply to his son and said, he did. He did. You did not. That wouldn't be love, would it? Justice. Justice. Not love. Not God supplying what we could not supply for ourselves. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
So what then is our answer to this most basic question, why? Why did God do it? Because you and I desperately needed it. Because there was no other way for us to escape an, eternal, an eternity in hell. Justly to receive the due punishment for our sins. So what do we take from this? Where do we go from here? Having heard this, having learned it, having been reminded of it, where do we take it from here? What's our goal in life then, knowing this as we do? Well, it's certainly not to disrespect our God. How do we do that? How could we ever do that? We would disrespect him by imagining that we can somehow do ourselves what he sent his son to do, which is to pay for our sins. It would be the epitome of disrespect and dishonor of Jesus to now take his entry into our world, his perfect life, innocent death, and say, thank you, Jesus, now I'm going to do what I can to earn payment for my sins. Jesus already did that. That's why he came. That's what he did once he got here. And Christmas is the start of that salvation plan from God. I'm going to send my son into the world to pay man's sin debt because we cannot. So what's the rest of our mission then in life, our goal knowing what we do? It is again to change our thought process from seeing others that do not know Jesus as enemies and to see them instead as targets of this outward love that our God wants to see in us. You remember, fast forward through Jesus' life and you go to the last day of his life in the upper room when he instituted the Lord's Supper and he said what? A new commandment I give you. And if you could see air quotes, I'm sure a new commandment I gave you. In other words, it's not something you have to fulfill to earn. It's this change of heart that he wants to see. Love your enemies. Demonstrate love. That's how you show people that you're my disciples. You don't see those with different political or environmental views or whatever difference there is in this life as enemies, but for those for whom Christ died. Same as us. The same as us. Unworthy sinners. And then you simply tell them this simple message of God sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. Because the same message that we hear applies to them. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. God, the Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with comfort and joy in understanding the answer to that simple question. Why? Jesus came to our earth not to condemn us, but to save us. Simply because he loved us and knew that we could not save 
ourselves. Is not this a wonder? Amen.